Lovers, this episode is sponsored by Blue Chew. We all know that there is more to confidence in the bedroom or the kitchen or the sex club or a stairwell or the woods or wherever you are. There's so much more to sex wherever you do it than just jackhammering away. But if all you're missing in your relationship is some mutually beneficial stiffness, check out BlueChew.com. BlueChew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra, Cialis, and Levitra, but in chewable tablets and at a fraction of the cost. You can take them anytime, day or night, so you can plan ahead or be ready whenever an opportunity arises. The process is simple. Sign up at BlueChew.com, consult with one of their licensed medical providers, and once you are approved, you'll receive your prescription within days. The best part? It's all done online, so no visits to the doctor's office with the doctors that never got trained in sex ed and how to talk to people about it, plus no waiting in line at the pharmacy. Blue Chew's tablets are made in the USA and prepared and shipped direct to your door in a discreet pack. They say that there is nothing sexier than confidence, and Blue Chew can help give you confidence where it counts. Of course, I know you sweet listeners know that using confidence to connect, if you can be confident enough to be really vulnerable with someone, to communicate, to create a safe space that you occupy together, that is super hot. That's the foundation of a connection. And if you have a boner, that can definitely help you do certain things that you know that I love, just as long as you don't skip all the other stuff too. Blue Chew and I want you to have better sex. Discover your options at bluechew.com. And as they say, chew it and do it. And we've got a special deal for our listeners. Try Blue Chew free when you use our promo code LOVER. At checkout, you just pay $5 shipping. That is bluechew.com promo code LOVER to receive your first month free. Visit bluechew.com for more details and important safety information. And thank you to Blue Chew for sponsoring the podcast. Hello, lovely humans. I'm Wyo Lee, and you are listening to Sex Stories, an everyday educational podcast for everyday people and their everyday sex lives. You just heard her voice. Our guest today is a white cis female in her early 30s who is pansexual and polyamorous. Currently enjoying the solo poly life, she is also into BDSM, including breath play, spanking, getting tied up, and deep-throating. And, just like me, she loves talking about sex. A wellness advocate and host of the podcast, The Answer is Elephant, from a small town in southern Alberta, Canada, welcome Carla Turner. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. I am so excited to have you. If you had to rate yourself today on a sexual shame meter with 10 being the most full of shame and one being the least shamey, where do you fall right now? You know, in preparing for this question, I realized I don't have shame. <gasps> I don't do shame in my life. Wow. I do have some fear around this topic. So I'm sure we'll get into that. That number I'd put probably around a, we're conquering it. So we're going to say no more fear. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to give us a fear preview? Sure. Yeah. I have this big fear of telling people about my sexual life and all the fun things that I do and thinking that that might mean that someone will think that I'm a bad mother. <gasps> and yet here you are today. Holy you can face cow. your fears. You can conquer your fears. And it turns out that like, People don't actually care what I'm doing in the bedroom as much as I thought they did. <laughs> Incredible. Oh, my gosh. Okay. I cannot wait for details. Can you give us a little overview in that vein of what is your sex life like right now? Well, you know, like you were saying, sexuality can tie into creativity and creation. And my sexuality is very much tied with my creativity. Right now, I'm really creative in some other projects in my life. So I'm really not finding the need or desire for much for even personal play right now. So <laughs> there is some, but not as normal as used to. Okay, well, here's a question, though. Do you still have a sense of your sexuality, like, running through your life? Like, I go through phases where I don't touch myself every day, but I still feel like it's, like, bubbling in the background. Is that present for you at all? Oh, yeah. 
Absolutely. <laughs> so there still is some everyday sexuality, even if like the physical touch isn't there. Is it fair to say there are mind pleasures? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, everything is a turn on. I agree. And then can you just tell us right now, what does sexy mean to you? Right now in this moment, love, just having love and open heartedness. That is what sexy is to me. Mm. Because words are so difficult. Could you give us an example or several of what love or open heartedness feels like for you? I mean, open heartedness with myself, that's where I think a lot of love starts. And when you're talking about sexual stuff, you got to start talking about within first and keeping my mind and my heart open to allowing me to explore the different things that I do explore sexually, knowing that it's okay, and basically giving myself the allowance and the presence of that. So it can kind of be anything. Yeah, like right now, I love my pants that I'm wearing and they turn me on. Mm. Right. So all day, every day, I get to put on an outfit that makes me feel good about me and my body. And that's sexy. Can you tell us the details of how your pants like feel on your legs right now? Like, what are they like? They're hammer pants. What's that mean? MC hammer pants, like hippie pants. Does that mean that they're tight at the bottom around the ankle? Yeah. And then like really loose. <laughs> I was like, oh, pants that come with lots of loops to carry all your hammers for when you're working outside. Like, that's what my mind thinks hammer pants are. Cargo pants? A new cargo pants? Is it cargo pants without pockets? That's like what my brain is trying to figure out stuff all the time. Okay. That is amazing. And I want someone to construct these pants oh my god <laughs> don't get me started about i have so many cargo pocket but fitted pants dreams for people like me that don't want huge bulky cargo pants but want to have a lot of pockets that's on my like future future to-do list okay i don't want to wander off topic too far but it sounds like your pants have a nice sensual feeling on your body yeah all of my clothes actually i, I try to keep very soft and very gentle against my skin yeah and i definitely really take a good awareness of how my clothes fit me and how i want them to fit me and if they don't fit me that is okay i might need to buy a new pair of pants <laughs> is this particularity when it comes to fit does that also exist in your sex life yeah <gasps> i find puzzle pieces okay i can't wait to hear about these puzzle pieces but first, can you take us back to the very early parts of your life? Tell us, when did sex first enter your field of awareness? Try to think of like how old I was. I want to say like seven or eight, somewhere in there, that I was being babysat by my friend's mom or something like that. I was at their house. I know I was there a lot. And parents weren't there at this particular moment because the boys put on a porno that they had found in the bedroom. So it was a very 70s porno. There was a lot of hair. I remember that. There was, you know, pubes everywhere. Yeah. And for me, as somebody who was, you know, starting into puberty and things like that, I felt like I was not supposed to watch because I was the female. I was the only female in that setting. And I felt like I wasn't supposed to watch porn. Don't know where that came from. But so I kind of kept glancing more so to know also as, wow, how am I supposed to look compared to that? Am I supposed to be that? Which really worked out well for me. It was a 70s porno and pubic hair is allowed on a human body, it turns out. Uh -huh. So it was nice for me to see that right off the get go. So I actually I thank those boys right now for putting that on and thinking that they're going to make me feel uncomfortable. And really, I was like, awesome. Yay. I look like that person. <laughs> Wait, so interesting. You got the sense that they were trying to make you uncomfortable? I did get that sense. I'm not sure why, but I haven't explored that too much. I haven't talked to them, seen if they actually were trying to. But it was also young boys, you know, with them 
breaching their, you know, puberty and sexuality and things like that. And there was a female and it wasn't that they were putting it on and excluding me. They were putting it on because I was there and they made that aware. But more so, I think, just to see what a girl would do. Okay, so it wasn't so much like a graceful invitation or an initiation. It was sort of like testing, like, let's see what's going to happen. Okay. Did you talk about that experience with any grownups in your life or anything like that after it happened? No. Like, were you like, mom, what's this? No. Okay. What was the vibe like in your household? So single mom growing up and she was awesome. She also worked nights. So my childhood was a lot of me and my sister taking care of ourselves and my mom sleeping during the day and then working at night. And that worked wonderful. I mean, we didn't know any difference. So So when it came to like sexual stuff, I think a lot of that fell onto my sister for me to see what would happen, what things were going on. Older sister? Older sister, yes. Just by a couple years. So she got to do the things first and I got to stand back and watch a little bit. And I think that was more so what kind of went through my household. I remember once, and I'm not going to know how old I was, my mom had a sex toy party. My house was kind of the house where all the kids just ended up. So there was always friends there. And we were all kicked out of the house for the evening. We all knew what was happening. Oh. We were all told that there was going to be a sex toy party and that we were all not supposed to be here. And then there was the boys, you know, we were all trying to peek up into the windows and <laughs> especially into the back bedroom because that's where they were having like the more private consulting if there was anyone that needed anything. Yeah. So sex wasn't something that was, you know, shameful or anything. It was just you're going to figure it out on your own because we're not going to sit down and talk about it either. So I think that's kind of how I feel about it. Okay. So how did you figure it out then? Well, I read the Bible a lot as a child. So I grew up going to church every Sunday and waiting till marriage to have much of any sexual touch whatsoever, actually. I had a fairly serious boyfriend for most of my teens or a few years of my teens there. We experimented slightly more, but that was pretty much it until I realized that that lifestyle was not necessarily for me. So experimenting there was we had gone down on each other, or at least I had for him. And I also had a breast reduction when I was 16 years old. Oh, wow. Yes, I was very large at a very young age, which definitely, I think, shaped part of my sexuality and my openness about it as much as I have a fear to talk about. Yeah, well, that makes sense. Also, literally shaped your sexuality. Yeah, literally shaped my sexuality. Yes, I was a young child with very, very large breasts and boys would never have known what to do with those kind of size of boobs, even if they had the opportunity. So even my boyfriend didn't know what to do with them. So there wasn't a lot of breast play or anything just because, yeah, when it takes you two hands to pick up a boob, you don't know what the heck to do with it. Mm. I didn't know either. (laughs) It's understandable. So After that breast direction and I got to start seeing myself as more of a sexual person then, I think that's when we started to play more with oral and things like that. Got it. Okay. And the church that you went to, what were the vibes there like around sex? Did they ever mention it? So dabbling throughout the few different churches, sex was something that I was allowed to think about. I was allowed to talk about slightly, but it was definitely... I was waiting until marriage. Even the oral was a really big stretch for me and my partner at that time to talk about. And 
think that it was okay for us at that time or should we have waited longer kind of thing. We talked about it quite a bit. Did church tell you that that was considered sex? Like, was church like, by the way, blowjobs are sex? Because, like, I didn't realize. I did a blowjob before I, like, realized that that counted as oral sex. I thought blowjobs were just, like, their own thing. Like a teenager lollipop. Teenager lollipop. With the surprise yeah. at the end. <laughs> <laughs> that is not the chewing gum that's in the center of many. I think it definitely had part to do with the church and probably just the friends of groups that I was with. Got it. The people that I was involved with at that time, we were all waiting for marriage for much of anything. A lot of us were together or had the relationships. And that was definitely tricky because we were allowed to make out. Kissing was okay as your body is eager to have more. I think it made conversations because I wanted to go further and I didn't know why I wasn't really supposed to. Oh my gosh, totally. I thought when I was little, there was a part of me that was like, oh. They just make us really look forward to it. Because I was raised in a household with like very, we had expectations. And when you did the thing, you got a reward. And if you didn't do the thing, there were consequences, not punishments, but consequences. And so, you know, I like grew up in this very structured household. So I think some little part of me was like, they're going to make me wait until I'm married and 20. Like that was just like a random thing that stuck in my brain. So did that mean that you were also feeling hesitancy related to your faith around touching yourself? It sounds like you figured out that your body felt good. I don't think I told people. I don't think I was advertising it. I think my sister and my mother probably knew. (laughs) Okay. Wait, why? Because you were noisy or just because they're like realistic? Realistic. And yeah, it's not like I was going shopping by myself for different toys. So like a back massager. That's what I used. Got it. Oh, you're like, Mom, I'm just going to borrow this for a little bit. Yeah, just going to keep this in my room for a week. I have a really terrible back, you know. The big boobs. The big boobs did help with that excuse. Okay, so do you remember when you first discovered that you felt good? I think just always. Like, I always have a memory of that, whether it be from in swimming pools and I'd walk past a jet at the right level and it's like, whoa, that's something. Let's explore more. I mean, probably not right in the pool, but yeah, I think sex with myself has just since I had feeling I was feeling down there. Okay. Can you give us like a fun little arc of your masturbations over the years if you notice any ebbs and flows? Like right now we're in a mental zone, but take us back. Like do you remember how you started touching yourself? Like I was a flat hander to begin. No, I was a diddler and then became a flat hander. I think just a couple fingers playing at first, just like literally touching, rubbing whatever I felt in the moment to explore more. I did approach it as this is my body and I want to know how I feel down there before I allow somebody else to come into that space. So there are a lot of clip play and that's something that's still to this day. I did find the tools helpful right away. I don't do a lot with just myself. I will say I do like toys and having that vibration right away made me realize that I can't go that fast. We is the reason we have batteries and I really enjoy for myself a high vibration. When I was comfortable enough to go to the store and buy the toy myself, I was like, okay, this is okay. This is cool. And that was a happy day. That's (laughs) awesome. Do you have a favorite vibratious shape? I'll make anything work. (laughs) Totally. I like that attitude. I really do. That's great. I have the same kind of attitude. Sounds like you are very externally oriented. Is that fair to say? Yes. Even to this day, I don't play a lot with inserting with myself. That's something that I actually hold for when I'm with a man. Fun. Okay. So take us through those early explorations that you remembered. It sounds like there was some like fumbly initiations. Anything worth mentioning in specifics there? 
any way that your hands can move, I did it. Whether it was like poking, rubbing, like slapping, picking up, like I was playing and for myself, really exploring not only my body, but the type of things that I enjoy the feel of. And really, it all felt good. That is awesome. Not always right away. That's a really good point, actually. I'm so glad that you brought that up because that's something that I haven't mentioned very often. I mentioned that my body changes a lot, but I do notice with myself that there are plenty of things that I don't love right away, but because I enjoy sensation and the initial part is like, this is new. Do I like it? I don't know. It's happening. Am I scared? I might be scared. Oh, wait. I'm scared and I like it. Oh, I really like it. Oh, I fucking love this. You know, I usually have some version of that that bounces around. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. When you can break it down and be in a safe space that you can take those moments to realize what is happening versus just the initial, oh gosh, I'm scared. Ah, what is this new? Ah, a lot of times we just like, if something's new or too scary or too different, our minds often try to push it away. So when we can slow that down and really actually take a moment to see what our body is feeling, what our first jump of the brain is feeling. Did your young self feel scared? Because it sounds like she was really into it. Do you remember feelings of discomfort or uncertainty? No, I don't think in that space, I think I was still with a mind of this is me and my body, so it's not allowed to feel bad. Oh, I love that. Let's bring that back for all of us. So was that partner then, you said you waited until marriage to have partnered sex? Yeah, not with that partner. How long did you have to wait? Yeah, so we ended up cutting our ties and not getting married and turned out for the better for everybody. So I was 18 when I first had sex. And that was kind of just at the end of a very serious, in that time, relationship. It was a pretty big relationship for that young of age. And oh, wait, so you were waiting till marriage, but then you didn't wait till marriage. Yeah. Whoa. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Never been married. Yeah. So I split from that partner. My first sexual encounter was with somebody who it was actually like a boyfriend from previous. Love those boomerangs. Yeah, yeah. He came back a couple times <laughs> into my life. <laughs> you know, it was lovely. There was nothing great or bad or anything about it. He was very gentle. He knew it was my first time. He was not pressuring me by any means. But at that point, I think I was letting go of that old relationship. I was also letting go of a big part of my lifestyle choices with leaving the church. And I was craving answers. So why was sex so bad? I had to find out. So I had sex and it was great. And I was, you know, totally in love with the dude. And yeah, it felt good. And I think because of my active self-play, nothing was painful or anything, even though I hadn't really inserted too much before. Also, he made me feel so comfortable. That's beautiful. Yeah, he definitely did take care of that in a sense. And he was very much more experienced than I was at that time. Great. I love that you set out to find out why sex was bad and discovered how great it was. Can you tell us some of the things that you've discovered that are so great and or weave in any of the stories from your unfolding explorations after that point? Yeah. So after that point, I did a lot of catching up. Where'd you start and how? A lot of drinking. So here I am, 18. Now I've taken out the church. I still actively was somewhat there, but not in the same sense that I used to be and was exploring life for my own. And yeah, I, at that point, living in a college town. So I was partying with all these college people and I had a lot of options and I was into drinking quite a bit. So 
oftentimes when you're drinking, we make decisions that end us in bed with somebody. So that happened a lot. And I found out fairly early on that people kept calling me dirty, although I didn't really know why. I didn't know what I was dirty about. So then it got into, okay, well, when they spank me and I enjoy it, that was me being dirty. Oh, I see. Like your partners were calling you dirty. Yes. Well, and then in friends and things like that as well as if I told them stories and oh okay so apparently I like it dirty would they say it with a specific tone I've been noticing this lately I get confused also by dirty and naughty and if someone says it to me in person for like ooh, naughty I'm like oh yeah I get it but if someone's just like oh yes I like to be naughty then I'm like does that mean you're are you judging yourself or like I like can't fucking tell the difference I recently realized that I was like bumping over these things what was it like for you I think I always kind of knew that it was a little bit taboo. There wasn't very many people like, oh, that's dirty or you shouldn't do that. That's dirty. It wasn't not so much of that. Okay. It was, oh, you're the dirty one. Okay. Like you're the kinky one in the friend group. Got it. And like everyone kind of knew that like, oh, yeah, Carla likes the sex. And she likes it dirty and she likes it fun. And I was like, well, yeah. It's so funny to hear you reflect that to me because I'm like, oh, yeah, true. Good point. Yeah. People kind of said the same. My whole like college experience was like, I love, I guess I am sexy. Why? Like, you know, because I was also like trying to get laid and like not successful until much later, you know. So it sounds like you weren't being judged, but were given this label. How did that affect you then? Were you like, yes, I'm dirty? Or was it like affecting your sex life? Did it become like a thing to try to earn or what was your relationship with the idea of being dirty or kinky or taboo I think I definitely was taking on that title Mm. and I mean then when we go into more of like my 20s and things like that I was the one who would be going to you know the sex conventions or you know and things like that I also love surprises so I'd get all the surprise bags oh fun you've built quite a collection of sex toys and sex helpers and things like that when you collect all these different surprise bags at the sex conferences I haven't even been to a sex conference yet part of that is because of COVID but like you have to put out energy to go do that it sounds like you had a good relationship with the idea of like yeah I am a sexy person I'm so sexy I'll go to a fucking sexy conference like was it like that vibe Yeah, actually, one of the first, not necessarily conferences, I don't know what you'd call them, conventions. Yeah, sex cons. I had a friend who, very much an introvert, very shy, she's quite the sweet little girl, and she was, her and her boyfriend, who I know them both, they're lovely humans, and they actually did wait till marriage, them. But she had asked me if if I would like to go with them to this conference with them and convention, because they were so out of their element, and they were experimenting a little bit more at that point, and I don't know where to start, I don't know what to start with, and I don't want it to feel bad, it's supposed to feel good. Will you come with us to this, kind of talk us, you know, and I was like, yes. So fucking cute. It was one of my favorite things. We ended up walking out of there and doing a boudoir photo shoot. So she was naked in front of me then later. And yeah, it was a great eye opener for both of us. And I think that was one of the first eye openers for like, oh, yeah, I'm kinky, but there's a whole world of kinky. And now I get to explore all of this because I didn't ever feel like it was necessarily my place to say if I wanted something more or not in the bedrooms. Like sex was just sex. Sex was good. Sex was fun. I didn't realize that sex could have been a heck of a lot better. Interesting. Okay. So wait, can you just unpack what does sex is just sex mean to you when you say it right there like that? There was inserting. There was some good feeling. There was some playing. 
nothing felt bad and I can make almost anything feel good on my body, but I did not realize that I could take things up to the whole next level. Tell us now what the next level is like for you. Awesome. (laughs) Yeah. So I definitely knew I was into some more kinky things. Loved being spanked. Loved it every time. And I've actually only been with one female. So far. You'll enjoy that story. I didn't realize I was pansexual until like a year ago. Yeah. So it was mostly all men. And if they spanked, then I enjoyed spanking. And yes. And if they pulled hair, then yes. I was always saying yes. And I was, well, not sorry, not saying yes, because I was very rarely asked anything. Ah, important clarification point. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Things were done to me and I didn't stop them because they felt good. You're going along with it. Sure. However, more could have been done for sure. So orgasms were never outrageous in my mind. They were good, but they were done real quick. Are they outrageous now? Yeah. So yeah, once I got into, yeah, and then I guess being into more of 20s and that and having roommates and everyone's knows that, you know, you don't always go look in Carla's cabinets and stuff. If you need something from Carla's room, you, you ask her first. I'd be like, can I look at the cabinets, Carla? Carla, can I come look in your cabinets again? <laughs> Okay, so you say get into it. Like, when do you feel like you really officially got into it? I think a few different partners that just made me feel so comfortable. A few people that they're still my very good friends. I'm the kind of person that I can have sex pretty much with anybody. I get it. Yeah, so I am completely comfortable with having sex with people and still containing a friendship with them. And I have many friends that our sex lives constantly intermingle and sometimes it's there and sometimes it's not. And as long as those boundaries are placed of, hey, are we having sex right now? Yes or no? Then that's a wonderful way to deepen my connections with friends. And I think one in particular, he's one of them that I'm sure our paths will cross again. And he made me feel so comfortable with who I was that it made me feel like, yes, I am okay to ask for a little bit more if I want that little bit more. I didn't feel like I was ever like holding back. I just didn't know the realm of where it could go. Like I just, I had my mind shut off to that. And I watched porn and stuff, but I guess I kind of just pictured that things were happening in porn. I always knew that porn is fake for the most part. I mean, there's some real sex, but it's something that people are altering. So I knew at a young age that I wasn't going to try to present myself like a porn star, you know, or even in the bedroom, because I know that it wasn't real. I knew that it was fake. How did you know that, by the way? That's actually like incredible. And a lot of people that I talk to don't know that. I think being in drama and stuff and I was in choir and things like that, that I saw those cues from people that I'm like, yeah, that's really good acting, but that is acting. Or I realized that it's a job for people when they're going up and showing up for their job. It's not the same as when they're having sex for their personal experience. So I just kind of always imagine that the dirtiest things are only supposed to be for the porn stars. That's for porn. I'm allowed to play in this bubble of safe, dirty things, you know. So once I opened up that bubble a little bit and then a little bit and a little bit. And so a couple partners. And again, not a lot of talking was done at these times, but there was clarification of like, oh, you do like that. Do you want to take that a little further? So, okay, you do like spanking. Would you like it to be harder? That was something that was actually asked. And I was like, oh, sure. So like tiny drops of explicit communication here and there, but not like a conversational framework of like, hey, babe, how would you like our sex life to unfold going forward? (laughs) Yeah. Not the way I talk. (laughs) 
<laughs> or even just does this feel good? That didn't even happen very much. So I think it was a slow growing bubble. And then I think actually your podcast was a big eye opener of like, oh, my bubble can be a heck of a lot bigger. Ah, is your bubble still growing then? Yeah, always. Lovers, this episode is sponsored by Blue Chew. We all know that the foundation to an awesome sex life is excellent mental and physical health. But if proper rest, exercise, and a healthy lifestyle aren't leading to the blood flow you'd like when and where you'd like it, check out BlueChew.com. BlueChew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra, Cialis, and Levitra, but in chewable tablets at a fraction of the cost. You can take them anytime, day or night, so you can plan ahead or be ready whenever the opportunity arises. And the process is simple. Sign up at BlueChew.com, consult with one of their licensed medical providers, and once you are approved, you'll receive your prescription within days. The best part, it's all done online, so no visits to the doctor's office, no dealing with awkward physicians who aren't trained to talk about sex lives, plus no waiting in line at the pharmacy. Blue Chew's tablets are made in the USA and prepared and shipped direct to your door in a discreet pack. They always say first impressions are important, but what about lasting impressions? Lovers, I do believe that we can always make loving, lasting impressions by connecting and being present and chasing our pleasure and our partner's pleasure. And if your priority is making a deep, deep impression between two beautiful, enthusiastic thighs or cheeks in the name of partnered pleasure, I get it. I've worn a strap on now. I, too, love having a hard cock. Blue Chew and I want you to have better sex. Discover your options at BlueChew.com. Chew it and do it. And we've got a special deal for our listeners. Try Blue Chew free when you use our promo code LOVER at checkout. You just pay $5 for shipping. That is BlueChew.com promo code LOVER to receive your first month free. Visit BlueChew.com for more details and important safety information. And thank you to Blue Chew for sponsoring the podcast. So yeah, I was always just the one person who people could experiment slightly more with as well, I think, which helped out my other partners as well, that they were allowed to experience a little bit more. I was allowed to. And for me, it was more so how I connected with the individual versus what was actually happening with the sex. Can you say more about that? Were these like polyamorous relationships? What's the framework of your poly self and like how do those relationships map onto your sex life and how does like the seriousness of the relationship inform your sex life? Yeah, so I'm mostly single all the time. I don't do a lot of actual relationships. And I think that's one of the reasons why poly works for me is so that I live in the moment. And when a live in a moment experience is going to happen, I'm not going to get held back. I want to interrupt you to observe something and ask a question. Did I hear correctly that you're a person that, like me, has had sex with a lot of friends and you still have friendships with those friends? Yeah. Okay, so it sounds like you're very good at maintaining long-term relationships. They just aren't the normal kind of coupling that we are used to thinking of as relationships. Exactly. The way I see it and why poly works for me is because sex is an act. Sex is a physical act in my mind. It can be tied with love and it's wonderful when it does. Yes. But it also doesn't have to for me. And I hold my connection with each individual person so uniquely. Nothing that can happen with this one person is going to change how I feel about this person. Mm. That doesn't happen. I have very individual connections with these people. And I think we do that. And I stopped understanding why sex was the only thing that you weren't supposed to do with more than one person. I'm allowed to have this person come fix my heater. That's fine. And then I'm not allowed to have sex with that person. Why? 
what if I want to? It's only if you don't want to and they push that it's a problem. And that unfortunately is all too common. And so then it creates this whole rule of like, well, you can't possibly, you know, even though it's like the stuff pornos are made of, literally. It's simply people's fantasies coming true. And I think if we are allowing ourselves to live those fantasies a little bit more, we would all be happier. Wait, does that mean, sorry, am I hearing a sex story in here that you actually did have sex with someone who fixed your heater? Because that's cool. (laughs) No, just an example. (laughs) Okay, new fantasy. Actually, my heater is broken. My best friend who helps me with my tech support. Why is that person not allowed to help me with my tech support just because they're my best friend? Absolutely not. We have each person in our lives that fill a part of why I need them in my life. They fill a hole. And sex does not have to stop it. Just I have a lot of holes to fill sexually, apparently. (laughs) No pun (laughs) intended. I'm like, yes, I need three filled at once, please. That said, I've also been on the other end of it where I was like, yeah, we're doing the friend thing and you take pictures of me and then we get turned on and then I have the sex with you and then, oh, and then you disappear. Oh, we weren't really friends. That's when it's problematic. But I'm much better in my adult years of figuring out the difference and figuring out, you know, not everyone deserves my time and energy all the time because like I got to keep it for me sometimes, you know? Well, and that's true. If I find somebody who completes me so much so, but they do not enjoy BDSM. Why should I stop myself from enjoying that part of my life still? Exactly. So that opened up the, okay, poly is something that can work for me in my lifestyle in that. Okay. So BDSM, let's get into some details here. Sounds like you started spankings and things in college early on in your explorations. And it sounds like you got into your kinky self more and more with all the porn stuff, but like what are you? Are you a submissive? It sounds like you like to get tied up in things. So tell us more about your like identity as it relates to BDSM. A lot of my play again was the fuzzy handcuffs that people get as jokes. And I was like, I'll just put them in the box and, you know, things like that. Oh, I also dated someone who was going to school to be a sex therapist at one point. So that was really fun because that opened myself up to I am allowed to feel good, actually. That was a big one because he was the first person who actually tried different positions for the first time in my life. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So, so that was really cool. Go have sex with a sex therapist. They're lots of fun. Amazing. <laughs> I was going to say, I could see it going both ways. Like I could see, oh my God, I was just about to be like, they could be some annoying person that just wants to talk about sex all the time. That's hilarious. <laughs> and to be clear, I can talk about sex while having it. Also one of my favorite things, but I don't have to do it. But there are moments where I'm like, what are you doing right now? What are you doing? It feels amazing. Tell me what you're doing so it can happen again. <laughs> yes. He was very attentive and he was very descriptive. Like he did explain things for going down on me. I mean, I at that point had zero interactions with women and I didn't know how it felt to go down on somebody or to tell somebody what to do to go down on me. I only feel this part. I don't know how to tell you to do that part. So he explained to me, he's like, you know, I open the lips. Okay, great. And like, I use my hands. I use my fingers as well as just my tongue. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. Like, that's something that I can maybe then guide somebody else towards doing. I've ingrown hairs pretty good on my pubic area. They're not the most attractive looking things. So for someone going down on me, I often just said, no, that's not for me because that just made me feel uncomfortable because I felt that's not where I was the sexiest, right? So I didn't want someone's face detailing this. That's not something that most people find attractive. So he didn't care about that. Wait, you dated a rare human that knew that ingrown hairs, even in your pubic zone, were just completely normal and he was happy to go down on you anyway? Mm -hmm. Thank fucking God. (laughs) Yeah. And then just trying different positions and that going into the line of work that he was, he's 
just simply was researching different positions and talking to people about how that would make them feel. So he was the first person that had me laying on my back on the bed with him standing and the bed was the perfect height for us that my legs could go kind of up onto his body there. And that's still one of my favorite positions of all times. And it can like almost take me back to that moment just being like, yeah. Amazing. When you can hit the different parts of the body with moving a couple limbs and you can experience something so different. Does that mean that you can orgasm from that position or is it something that just lights you up? Oh, yeah. I can orgasm in pretty much every position, I think. Tell us more about your orgasms, please. Details now. (laughs) Not as much when I'm on top. I don't feel as many things when I am on top of somebody. And I think that's probably a big reason why I let the men always, they'll take the lead. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, let them do the work. I noticed recently that I thought I didn't feel as much stuff on top because I was like, I freeze. I actually like get way too much sensation and have to like check out a little bit. And so I'm finding ways to kind of manage that. But I too love to just like lay there and get fucked. And that's when I have the strongest orgasms. Yeah, my orgasms, I go into a full tense. My entire body tenses up and clamps and I can't move a lot of the times. So therefore being on top when you can't move and I'm trying to do more, it just doesn't work for me. So I end up not feeling as much, I think. Wow. Have you ever had a very vigorous bottom partner? Like I've been on top sometimes where all I'm doing is like holding myself up on elbows and then they're like working from below. And I'm like, I don't know what's happening, but I love this. Yes. Those are the moments where I've come on top. Absolutely. Yeah. When somebody can take over once my body goes into that like seized moment, that is beautiful. Yeah. I also can like stop breathing. (sighs) Like for too long? Have you passed out? I have passed out. What did you do? Did you just naturally wake back up? Yeah, they usually don't notice. What? Does that make you feel safe and taken care of? Or is it just really fast? It's really fast. And it's also like I am still there. It's just finally my body is able to relax pretty much. And I'm out. I'm not necessarily there for a minute. Yeah, just because my body is going through such an intense cramping and my body can get really sore after too because I'm so tensed up. So is there anything else we need to know about your amazing orgasms? It sounds like they're very intense. Are there other places that they come from or it sounds like your body is really sensitive body? That's my thing. I don't always do well with the words. I have dyslexia. So I feel and I feel everything. Actually, one of my partners once explained to me about my orgasms because people have explained that you go into a weird mode when you're having an orgasm. And they said it is you allow yourself to feel every ounce of an orgasm. Wow. And I'm like, yeah, that's beautiful. Yeah. Most people don't do that. And I was like, oh, oh, that's maybe why people think that's different or they may think it's weird because they don't allow themselves to fully embody it. And I definitely do. Someone was recently explaining to me how both the joy that comes with orgasm and just like everyday regular excitement, how that is a vulnerable thing for most people. Like I had a friend that was just like, I don't think you understand that this is like hard for a lot of people to share. And I was like, say more. I don't think I do. That is really beautiful that you grew up in a religious community that wasn't necessarily super sex positive and are able to let yourself experience that. So I want to just like honor Should we call her coming Carla instead of weird Carla, like the (laughs) Carla that comes? Yes. So one place that I myself learned to feel everything was in the throes of submission, of that full surrender. It sounds like that's something that maybe is just like naturally happening for you. But do you feel like you have like a formal submissive self or is she just always there with you? Or how do you understand your kinky parts? 
So, because I didn't realize just how into like BDSM and all this stuff that I was until a lovely accident and the submissiveness and having the master. So I was seeing this guy for a little bit and things were going great. We'd had a couple sex days and things were good. There was going to be one night where it was the first time I was going to be sitting the night, first time that we were going to be going out in public. This is COVID time talk. So a lot of first things were happening. And he also asked me to bring my sex toy box. And I was like, okay, yeah, you're going to experiment a little bit more with that. He had talked about bondage for sure. So I took the sex toy box and I got myself all pretty, which does not happen these days. (laughs) And, you know, head into the city for what I think is going to be a great night. We also had just wonderful connection here. I was thinking I found a partner that I was going to have for quite some time. First thing is he goes for the sex box, like barely even says hello to me. Okay, cool. You're excited. I thought we had dinner reservations, but all right. So I squirt a little bit after he uses the butt plug. Not a lot, but a little bit. After dinner, I find out that that made him feel very uncomfortable. He thought I had peed all over the bed. And yes, he has a very sensitive nose. He had to clean everything. And I was asked to leave. And I was sitting here thinking, okay, you're like 10 years older than me and you don't know what squirting is. First time that anything has entered my butt in like six years at this point, because I had a child at this point and went a long time without having sex at all. It was like five years. Yeah. Single mom. So, you know, I shared a bedroom with my kid for the longest time. So it's the best birth control out there. (laughs) My doctor actually was like, do you need birth control? And I was like, well, I share a bedroom with my son. (laughs) No, you don't. So... I was then asked to leave. This is a Friday night. I'm looking sexy. Yeah. I'm now coming back to my small town on a Friday night, kid-free Friday night. I'm going to the bar. I'm not wasting this nice outfit. I'm going to the bar. It's still early enough because it was coming. I'm coming home still early enough. Totally. (laughs) However, in the small town where I'm from, when you come in looking that good, you have to explain somewhat of the story. People know that I'm not normally dressed up. So the story has gotten explained that I was going on a date. He asked me to bring my sex toy box. It was a little bit more than what he could handle. And that's how I explained that. That's a good explanation. So everyone kind of knew what was going on. And of course, at this point, I had had a couple wines. Yeah, so there was somebody there who, you know, friends of ours that we were connecting. And he looked at me and he said, you and me could have a really good time together, I think, can't we? And I looked at him and, you know, there's just sometimes you connect and you're like, yep. Sometimes you just say, yep. (laughs) Just earlier, though, I was in somebody else's bed. So, like, maybe we can rain check. No, sure enough, I ended up at his house that evening. And in the middle of sex, I said, yes, sir. And he said, are you describing me as your master? And I said, yes, (gasps) absolutely. And it was awesome. It was a very organic thing. And it was awesome. Organic, but explicit. That's hot. Yes. Yes. Lovers, we are going to take a quick pause for a word from our sponsor, and they have given me notes to do a sultry female voice, so I'm very excited and I'm going to do my best. Did you know? The Flora app is a safe place to open up, embrace your desires, and find like-minded people. This is the story of one couple who found the threesome of their dreams, discovered a new level of shared passion, and stepped into a whole other realm of possibilities, all thanks to Flora. As life's routines settled in, Robert and Lucy found themselves yearning to explore uncharted territories. So they downloaded Floor and embarked upon a thrilling journey of sensual experimentation, learning more about each other's desires in the process. Open-minded and adventurous, Robert and Lucy dreamt of adding a new dimension to their intimacy. 
sharing the touch of another woman, being witnessed and connecting in a way that transcends the ordinary. In Fleur's diverse and accepting community, Lucy connected with Emily, a babe craving the same experiences. So they invited Robert to the conversation. The chemistry built and anticipation heightened as they exchanged messages until finally their agreed-upon date night arrived. A gorgeous hotel was the setting for their evening of pleasure, passion, and connection. A shared exploration that fulfilled each party's desires. Fleur App celebrates the beauty of open-minded connections. It's a platform where fantasies come to life and desires are embraced without judgment. For couples seeking adventure with others or individuals keen on exploring, Fleur invites us all to a world where every desire is a possibility waiting to unfold. Download Fleur now, express your desires freely, and find like-minded people today. One of the most amazing pickup lines that I will ever have in my life. Do you consent to sexual intercourse? Mm. Mm. Thank you. Yes, I do. That was the biggest turn on I think I've ever had in my life. Somebody just asking for consent. Big cue for people. Ask for consent. It's a turn on. <laughs> so, okay. So he asked for consent and you gave it. And then what happened? You were very Yeah. Yeah. So I was tied up with duct tape. Like the sticky part on you? Yeah. Which was what he had on hand. Ooh. So much so that he had to cut me out Oh, when we were finished because the one side, it was too tight and he had to use his knife and very carefully. I'm not into the torture where it goes to actually giving me pain. I don't want to bleed. But a lot of tying up. And that was when I was introduced to deep throating. And oh, do I thank him every day for that. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. So how were you introduced to deep throating specifically? Again, he asked. He said, do you want to deep throat? And I said, I don't know. Sure, let's try. I thought I had done deep throating at that point. Not realizing the different angles and stuff can be into a different category between just really good at giving head versus deep throating. So that was lovely that I got to play with that for the first time. And it's one of my favorite things. Head has always been one of my favorite things to do. I love sucking on a cough. Now having the deep throating is amazing. Yeah, I love seeing a dude's face when you're given head. You can just see all the joy. That's their time that they don't hide it. And it's really nice for me to see that. uh, Oh, yeah. And it's enjoyable. It's just a good time. It feels good for me, too. Beautiful. Are you also into ball play and like licking around all the places? Like tell us some specifics of your moves or what you like to do with your hands. And do you have favorite angles for deep throating? Yeah. So balls are definitely always there. And they're often in my mouth. They are often in my hands. They are often being pulled. I've had quite a few people ask me to bite their balls or their penis. So that is something that I also enjoy doing. I really enjoy almost sliding the cock on the side of my cheek in between the cheek and the teeth. It gives you a little bit of a break when your neck is needing a little bit of a not a stretch or your mouth needs to close for a second, which happens. And I very much enjoy being on the bed or whatever with my head hanging over. That is a magical place for me and I can stay there all day. Amazing. So did you end up seeing this partner again or? Yes, quite a few different times. I scared him a little bit, I think. Yeah, he ghosted me after a little while. I think the comment that put it over the edge was when I said he could tie me up in his basement for a weekend and I wouldn't mind. I think he realized that maybe a weekend was not what he wanted. So I often was in his garage tied to different things for hours on end. And nine volt batteries work very good on the clit, if anyone wants to know. Say more about that. You know, when you like put a 
battery on your tongue and it kind of shocks you because it's wet? I have never done that, but now I know that's a thing. Okay, so this is what happens in small towns. You put batteries on your tongues when you're a kid to get the shock from the battery. <laughs> but yeah, it works really good on a wet clip. Okay. Whoa. Yeah, so that's something that he had just kind of always wondered. It's a moist place too. Wouldn't it work the same? And yes, it does. Okay. Absolutely. The tying up was really creative with him because like, it was a small town. We don't do a lot of fancy things. So zip ties, any kind of belt, choking with belts was a good one. I love being choked. He definitely didn't stop with his hands with choking. So the belts was a wonderful, wonderful introduction for me for choking. There's a couple nights that I was in his garage tied up for five hours in one position. Wow. So this is someone you said you met him through a friend or someone you knew like yeah. you knew him at the bar. OK, OK. So what if any safety conversations did you have? Because I'm hearing like duct tape. I'm hearing zip tie. You know, like those are things that with a person, obviously you're getting to know them. And obviously I, too, had an ongoing relationship with a complete stranger. But just so that our listeners can learn from this part of your story, too. What kinds of conversation, aside from the explicit, very hot, do you consent to sexual intercourse right now? What else did you guys talk about safety wise? Or just agreement wise? I think I realized like after I said, yes, sir. And yeah, you are my sir. You are my master. I will do everything and anything that you want. And he was starting to position and tie me up and things. And I, am I going to need a safe word? And he was like, I don't know. Do you want one? Maybe. It took me a longest time because when you're sitting there trying to think about a safe word on the moment and you've never really experienced what a safe word was. And so flamingo is my safe word. Because that was the first thing that came to my mind. So, yeah. So I said flamingo would be the safe word. And I said it a few times within the first night with him. More so as a slow down. There was some things that I just hadn't experienced. And I wanted to slow them down and experience them fully. So that would be the biggest thing. After that, I don't think I ever used it. Okay. Not that I wouldn't. I just felt completely safe with him. It was also understanding that, okay, yes, we can explore. And a lot of these things that... He had never had the allowance to explore fully as well to degrees that I was hoping for. So there was one of those things where we said, okay, if we continue and something's not okay, all of a sudden we can say that. If I need to change even positions, I'm okay to say that. And he was very understanding of that. So the safety things that we talked about and had discussed within like what we would consider would be our contract was more so listening to each other, listening for that safe word, but also bringing up new ideas before trying. If you want to try something new, let's just run it by me real quick, just so that I can prepare my body. Yeah. What is it about BDSM and specifically submission that turns you on and gets you off? This is the fear. So I fear that if someone knows that I am into BDSM, they could call child services thinking that it makes me an unfit mother like literally just because of the cultural puritanical like yes. if you like dirty kinky rough sex and if you are okay with getting beaten maybe you can't take care of a kid something like that yeah I didn't know what always it could be but I had this fear now I realize that as long as someone can listen to me and like not like my child is in the house at the time even <laughs> and it actually allows me to be that better human and a better mother so giving away control is something that a lot of people struggle with for me, giving away that control in the bedroom allows me to accept the things I can't control other oh, places Yes, in a much healthier way. So yeah, for myself, just letting go of control, just letting go of it has to be perfect. 
that is what this gives me. And I haven't been able to find that in anything else. And it feels good. Oh, my God. Pushing yourself to do something. So a lot of times with the BDSM, you know, getting spanked in different ways, getting spanked with different items and things. Yeah, some of this stuff is painful. It's not painful when you're doing it. It's not painful at the moment. It's the thought around it. You don't experience pain or you experience it, but the overall experience for you is not as... I change it from pain. Yes, it should be painful, <laughs> but it's more enjoyable for me. I also push myself like I'm a ice dipper. So I get out in the freezing cold water and that is pushing myself to those limits, pushing my body to those limits and enjoying it, enjoying that just because it's pushing doesn't mean that it's bad. And our human bodies need small amounts of stress. They need to be stressed so that we are healthy, so that we can expend our energy. And also a lot of us are suffering from comfy life right now. Staying calm under high stress situations. So I use the BDSM as training for that. Yes. And if anyone's been listening regularly, you know I'm obsessed with the Huberman Lab podcast, which is my favorite neuroscience podcast. And there are so many studies that are referenced so many places about how humans feel better when they are choosing their own problems. When we feel like we are in charge of a problem that is a size that is difficult but manageable, that's when we're the happiest. When we're like chewing away at our own little problems. If stuff is too easy, we're like, eh, everything sucks. If stuff is too hard, we're like, oh, fuck, I suck. I hate everything. They did a study with rats where they, I don't know how they measured the mental health of the rats, but basically the rats that got to choose when to want, run on the wheel, or maybe they were mice. There was a rodent running on a wheel when the rodent got to pick when it ran on the wheel. It was great. Even if another rodent had to run the same amount of time or less time, if they had to run on the wheel when the other mouse was choosing it, the one who wasn't in control felt sadder. So all of that is to say neurobiological mechanisms that have to do with our happiness is it sounds like kink is something that, like me, it's the place where perhaps is it fair to say you can rest? That's just me projecting on you right now, just to call that out clearly. Yeah, my brain never or very rarely gets to actually slow down and take a step. So that is one of my favorite outlets that I can just rest. So you mentioned pansexuality and a lady lover. What is there to say about that? So quite a few years ago now, and she was then staying at my house. So then we were at a birthday gathering as she was expressing that she had always kind of wondered what it would feel like to go down on a woman or to have a woman go down on her. And so I had just simply suggested that I could if she wanted to. You want to find out? Let's find out. So I went down on her and she definitely had not played with herself or with toys as much as I had. So the things that I was doing with the toys, mostly just getting her out and using toys on her clit and she had a wonderful orgasm. And I think that was something that like I could see her enjoying that so much. And I didn't ever feel wrong about it or that I wasn't supposed to be with a woman. I was just with her because that's how it was. How was it? It sounds like you were leading that interaction. How was that for you? In a sense, yeah. Yeah, good. I think I definitely play more of like a submissive role when it comes to sex. But I found that because she was so unsure about it and I felt so comfortable with it, it just made sense that I took that role. What else would you like to explore? Like with ladies, with threesomes, group things, like what else is floating around in the sexual sphere that you haven't gotten to yet, but is on your bucket list? Yeah. So yeah, the squirting was the thing for the one gentleman. 
Is that the only time you've squirted? No, I squirt often. It's something that I don't actually always love. Why? It's messy. You could get a squirt blanket. Yeah, I squirt fairly uncontrollably. A lot of the times with the person who was the master, a lot of times we were in the garage because the floor is easier to clean up and it doesn't matter if it's getting dirty. So the garage worked. Just got to watch out for slipperiness. Well, him, not you if you're tied up. (laughs) Yeah. Now I meditate while I'm in the act of sex to prevent myself from squirting. I don't mind squirting, but I just don't like when it's all messy all the time. And I think because like my OCPD and my need for control and I'm like, just can we clean this? Can we stop what we're doing and cleaning this? So I don't enjoy being distracted by the phenomenal act of what we're doing because I want to clean up a mess. (laughs) Yeah, I get that. So now I actually meditate myself out of squirting or at least holding off until later on when we're going to be closer to being done. So I don't have to worry about the mess so much. Does that feel effortful or is it almost like edging where it's part of your turn on or is it something else entirely? My breath work and my meditation, especially with playing with BDSM and different things like that, it makes it where the orgasm is so much more powerful in the end anyway. So it just enhances it and it makes it so that I can last longer, especially for, yeah, those long sessions that can sometimes happen of a few hours in one position. And again, with my orgasms and I tense up so much that oftentimes I cannot continue to do much more because my body is just physically drained. So when I can hold off and I can make that more enjoyable, I can make my sex last longer. That's huge. Like I also stretch. I have a yoga routine for my kink. Cool. So I hold myself in different positions that I get tied up in. Like I sit in those positions for 10 minutes at times throughout my yoga. 10 minutes each? Yeah. Just in my yoga, just so I can prepare my body for when you're in that position for a long time. I also do different stretches so that I am deep throating better. Beautiful body care. I do everything where I'm like, how can I make this better? How can I make this more beneficial for me, my partner and our bodies? So yeah, my different yoga stretches that I do that I enhance and it's basically just neck stretches, right? It allows me to further my practice of deep throating. Beautiful. So that's a lot of fun. It's really nice, too, to have my different yoga stretches that I do. It gives me that moment of self-love there, like in the moment, of course, with doing yoga and appreciating that. But it also puts me into positions of I can see my body within these different positions. And it's sexy for me to know what I'm looking like. Yeah. I was trying to ask you about sexual bucket list things and totally derailed you asking details about squirt. What were you on your way to say? What else is in your sexual future? What's on your bucket list? What do you want to try? Oh, I'm always trying everything. I would love to find a partner who I can explore more with the BDSM. I would love to find a partner who would take classes so that when it comes to tying people up and things like that, I would like to make sure that that is done safer. Having somebody that would be interested in doing those things with me, learning those things with me is something that is really hot. Does that imply that you want to do shibari suspensions or something? Or like what is behind the desire for that? Like what do you want to experience as a submissive? Yes. Tying is something that is such a beautiful art to me. If you can tie me to the roof and have me dangling, I would love that. And I haven't had the opportunity to use a lot of like props for that yet. So it's mostly just been me being tied to myself or being tied to like a functional bench or chair or bed. 
So having the more adequate place to do those things is very high on the bucket list. Beautiful. Yeah. I think self-love, it's so important to me to hold on to my self-love and it has made it so that my sex practice is so much more enjoyable. Mm. Like I teach workshops on self-love and taking the time to appreciate your body in every stage is something that I hold very dear to me. For me, a couple of the things that helped me kind of like externalize self-love so I could start to finally feel it in my heart. How do I explain it? You know, I feel like I spent years hearing people like, just love yourself, just love yourself, just love yourself. And I was like, yeah, I know I'm trying. I get it. Okay. No, I do. Like, I don't know. You know, like, do I really do it? And for me, the ways in really were like getting rid of all of my hair, looking at my actual self and taking like naked pictures and being like, is this still a human? What is it? And then adding on to that wiggling. Like I've been wiggling for coming up on three years straight. I'm curious, do you have a touchstone practice that helps you like tangibly connect to be like, ah, this is self-love? I meditate with my body and with all of my different organs as well, including my sexual organs. So when I am meditating and when I'm truly feeling all of my different sexual organs and just my body. I meditate and I hold my stomach, especially for women, but for everybody. Stomach is a big thing of why we don't feel comfortable in our own skin. We feel like we have too big of a stomach. And when I'm able to hold it and embrace it, when I look down at my stomach and I used to not like what I saw, now I can look down at my stomach and I'm so grateful every day for it. And it makes it so that I want somebody else to see my body. I want somebody else to see that stomach. And having those self-love practices, I'm also a floater. Do you float in isolation tanks at all? Oh, I haven't, but I think I would like it very much. Yeah, so I'm also part owner of a float tank business. That was a wild self-love practice for me because as soon as I'm in that water, I feel my entire body. And when you're feeling your body within a water sense, your body is going to be different. Your weight is distributed differently. So you feel yourself in such a different way that then it furthered me to be like, what is my body? Like I feel every single part of it. Wow. And you're already such a body person. Is there anything else we need to know about your sex life to complete this overview? I have had sex with a lot of gay men. I am usually the last female that they have sex with before they come out of the closet. It's weird because there's about five people that I am the last female that they are with before they accept themselves as gay and come out. That's kind of beautiful. Almost like you're a shepherd. Yes. I pull people's truth out of them. And if somebody is not being their authentic self, I have this aura around me that I pull that out. I draw it out. Well, and even the men that haven't been gay, a lot of men that I've been with have expressed that I'm the only person that they've told they're into men or that they would be attracted to a man. There is still so much fear around so much of that. And that is something that I, yeah, definitely hold very dear to my heart. My one friend who is one of the gay boys who I converted to gay, I guess. <laughs> it sounds like you're a full of permission person. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So he said it in a way that was so sweet. And this is the way I have to say it now, because how do you not? But he said, if he can't be happy with me, then there was not going to be any woman that was going to satisfy him oh. and that he knew that he was gay and that he can just accept it. Wow. So that's something that is very cool, but it also it can be tricky to find different relationships and things like that because there's often people that are drawn to me 
just because they're drawn to them giving permission to themselves. They feel that part of me. They don't really know what it is. Mm -hmm. So they're attracted to that, not necessarily always something further than that, which is a beautiful, beautiful thing. It can just be a little bit tricky of a door to learn where it's swinging. I feel you. It's like, wait, oh, no, that's good. You like the way that I make you feel. But can you also please also like me? The the reasons I like myself. Oh, no, we're on different page. Oh. Okay, bye. (laughs) Okay. So what are your hopes for your sexual self to receive going forward? Yes, more BDSM and kink. Yes to the partnership stuff we talked about. But what else just like on your hope horizon do you want to call in? Well, I also have a group with a few of my friends that we get together and talk about sex. So it's called the Love Mafia. Online group. Anyone wants to join? Online group. Where do people find the Love Mafia? Email thelovemafia21 at gmail.com. Beautiful. So that was brought forth as a safe space. I realized as I was talking about my different BDSM things, wondering who I'm allowed to tell this to, who wants to hear that information. Also hearing from other people and my friends that they didn't feel like they had a safe space to talk about what they want sexually, what they've had sexually, and how to learn and grow. So I started a group with a couple of my friends that... We wanted to create that space. So we're kind of in the starting works of it. But our hopes for that is we have like themed nights where we can learn about different things, whether it be like, okay, this is a STI night. Let's think about STIs and let's focus on that and learn about that and learn about different ways that we can protect ourselves from that, whether it be a protection or the language that we use, how we talk about these things. We've had some people that their children have come out to them gay and they just didn't know what to do or where to, you know, they didn't want to say or do anything that could be offensive and they wanted to learn some more, you know, vocabulary and things. So what a beautiful place to do that. You know, myself learning into the BDSM, it's a great place for me to be able to go, okay, what have you done and what have you done? And, you know, for that person who thought that a little bit of squirting was you know, a big deal for them, that person could come and and learn about squirting. What is it? What is your body actually doing when this happens? Because a lot of people don't know and a lot of women don't know what their body's doing. Their body's just doing something. Mm -hmm. Feels good. Let it do it. (laughs) (laughs) So it's a great place for all of us to just come together and learn and grow as a community. There's no shaming. There's no nothing. It's just learning and growing and sharing. We have like game nights and one of my really good friends is a drag queen. And so he also puts on different name that tune and things like that while in drag. So that's a fun night for us too. And then we'll have, you know, special guest appearances from Wiley that come in and and chat about her sexual experiences. Yes. I talking about sex is my favorite thing. So, okay. The love mafia 21 at gmail.com hit it up. So now, if you could go back in time and give younger you a piece of sex advice, what age or ages would you pick and what would you say? I think for myself, for the life that I had, I would probably pick around 16, 17. Tell myself your body is beautiful because it looks the way it does. And with having a breast reduction so young and stuff, that was definitely something that I struggled with. And that sex can be so much more if you just think about what you want and what you desire. And when you start answering those questions, you can start asking for it in a healthy manner. I am still practicing that. That is beautiful. Yeah. Do you have a sex question for me? 
yeah. How do you connect with your body in regards to like the universe and what the universe is doing? Well, I don't know if I understand your question fully because I'm very new to my body (laughs) and I'm very new to understanding the universe. And truly, if you had asked me this when I first began this podcast, December 2018, I would have been like, my body, sex, BDSM. I discovered a master. It's amazing. You know, and I really actually would say now I've got a new version of discovering my body that's just under two years old because I actually started working out regularly for 30 minutes a day, five-ish days a week when the pandemic started. And that was just like one of my like robot instructions that I put into my head to be like, ah, dad and sister said, what are you doing for mental health? There is a global pandemic. I don't exercise. I shall change this, you know? And so I am a person that can decide to do something and then start doing it. And it's a matter of like bandwidth. And sometimes I decide to do too many things at once and I'm still trying to do them all. But body-wise, what I've been discovering so much recently, and this is actually related to my current ongoing exploration of desire, of noticing my desire, I'm finally able to be like, wait, the desire lives in my body? And it's brand new for me, you know, and, and not like I've always had cravings, I've always been horny, but it's like now I've been meditating for however many thousands of days in a row, you know, since August 2016 is when I started meditating every day because I decided I was going to. And I'm just now starting to get like attuned enough to my own physical being that I'm like, wait, when I really drop in with the feelings that I'm actually feeling and can get clear on the feelings that I want to be feeling inside my body. And I mean literal body feelings of like my stomach is tight or sometimes a more metaphorical version, but still very literal for me of like, ah, this squiggly feeling going through the outside of my calves and down into my ankles and alongside my toes. Those feel like little gray squiggly worms and I don't know what they want, but they seem agitated. You know, like I check in with my body in these funny little ways and I make little stories about them that are now helpful to my life. And I'll be like, oh, they want this thing. And like, You know, for me, finding funny little story ways to kind of like understand the inside parts of my body makes it so much easier to be like those little gray worms in my toe really want a foot rub. And I have never said that out loud to anyone. Like the only people that I usually talk about, like those feelings with are my therapist or like a good friend or something. But like it makes me notice like, oh, I need this feeling of holding. I need this feeling of relaxation. And so that I think is what is allowing me to communicate my desires to other people, kind of like you said. And then for me, it's like, oh, that's real life magic. I noticed the desire and I felt it in my body and then I asked for it. And, you know, I'm really have a lot to learn when it comes to my asking practice, but that's kind of my current relationship. I don't know if I even understood the frame of your question correctly at all, but also part of it for me is really letting go of, well, what does correct mean? And trusting that if somebody else has a whole different set of ideas around the words that they just use to try to like communicate in human that then they can clarify. (laughs) Yeah. I love it. What's your version? Yeah. I mean, I was kind of just thinking like in connection with like, do you notice your body with like the moon cycles and things like how? Not yet. I just learned that was a thing literally in December my new best friend is like very in touch with her cycle and like when she's in spring and winter and fall and ovulating and all the things. Basically, I have to know to put my attention on something and then it's like a laser beam. And that's why I'm like sex, sex. That's the big laser beam. (laughs) Carla, where else can people find you on the internet if they'd like to connect? 
Well, I have a website, CarlaTurner.ca. I'm on Facebook and Instagram, CarlaTurner.WellnessAdvocate, and the answer is Elephant, as well as the LoveMafia21 at gmail.com. Carla spelled with a K. Beautiful. Thank you so much for being a guest on Sex Stories. Thank you so much for having me.